It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Joblessness in America. Good Friday afternoon and welcome to the broadcast. The last monthly jobs report of the year went public today and it was better than expected. Or was it? Unemployment for November, 3.7%. That's unchanged from October. Employers adding 263,000 workers to their payrolls, and that's more than what economists were hoping for. So why is this not great news? Geraldo Rivera of Fox News. The overactive economy is generating too many jobs, ironically. That's the bitter irony. And as a result, inflation has more fuel and everything costs more. Also, says NBC's Tom Costello. We have more jobs openings right now than we have workers to fill them. So that drives up wages, that drives up inflation. President Biden announcing today that since he took office, the U.S. economy's created 10.5 million jobs, more than any other president at this point in their presidency. The last election of the 2022 midterms will be decided next week in Georgia. That U.S. Senate runoff on Tuesday. Tuesday between Democrat Raphael Warnock and football star Herschel Walker could go down to the wire. Former President Barack Obama in the Peach State last night delivering closing arguments. Mr. Walker has been talking about issues that are of great importance to the people of Georgia, like whether it's better to be a vampire or a werewolf. This is a debate I once had myself when I was seven. They're getting nervous because they got Obama here again. For his part, Herschel Walker held his own get-out-the-vote rally. I'm Georgia-born, Georgia-bred, and when I die, I'll be Georgia-dead. Polls show Warnock with a slim lead going into Tuesday's runoff. A web designer from Littleton, Colorado, is taking her case to the U.S. Supreme Court. 38-year-old Lori Smith says her Christian faith will not permit her to design a wedding website for a same-sex couple, and the Supreme Court will hear that case on Monday. The fight over student loan forgiveness headed to the Supreme Court as well. The justices will hear that case in February. The issue before the Supreme Court is how much power, how much authority the Biden administration had without express law from Congress to cancel the student loan payment. Legal analyst Lori Levinson, a rail workers strike has been averted. President Biden signing today the legislation that it imposes a contract on thousands of rail workers. One week and one day before the deadline, Congress warded off a gut punch to the U.S. economy. President Biden's clear call to us to ensure um, that we don't derail Christmas is going to carry the day. The deal prevents a walk-off by 115,000 railway workers that could have cost the economy $2 billion a day, snarled holiday shipping traffic, and spiked inflation further. Correspondent Scott McFarland, NASA's Orion Orion spacecraft continues its historic journey around the moon. The capsule spent 15 days in orbit. On Monday morning, it will come within 80 miles of the lunar surface. Splashdown in the Pacific Ocean off the coast of San Diego will happen on Sunday, December 11th. French 
toast. The Bidens and the Macrones clinked crystal last night during a state dinner at the White House. The president called France America's oldest ally. France was our first ally. First country to fly the American flag. More than anything else, France has been our first friend. On the menu for the Biden's first state dinner, Maine lobsters. Even though the administration has regulated that industry to the brink of extinction, the argument is lobsters are not sustainable. Kevin Cork at Fox News wonders why serve them then at a state dinner. You know, they're trying to have their lobster and... <clears throat> eat it too, so to speak. The White House had 200 Maine lobsters flown in for the feast. Political pundit Jimmy Fallon. There's no world where a decent person regulates lobsters out of business up in Maine and then serves lobster a week later, unless you just don't care. During a joint news conference with the president of France, President Biden promised to tweak the Inflation Reduction Act so as to better accommodate the French economy. Emmanuel Macron expressing concern that climate change measures in that massive spending bill will hurt the French energy sector. Florida Congressman-elect Corey Mills wonders why U.S. energy providers don't get the same Biden treatment. The bottom line is that here is another example of Joe Biden's America last agenda. He's more worried about trying to help out the European Union's energy crisis than he is to actually build up our own economy here at home. The U.S. and France announcing the formation of a joint task force to deal with trade disputes, which could emerge from the $740 billion Inflation Reduction Act. New Stanford University study out today shows stress, anxiety, and depression endured during the pandemic has aged the brains of a American teenagers by three years. Scientists base those findings on MRI scans on the brains of 15 to 18 year olds before and during the COVID pandemic. The U.S. Naval Academy is denying requests for religious exemptions to the COVID vaccine. Congressman Michael Waltz. This military mandate has got to stop. The vaccine does not stop the spread. We are in a recruiting crisis that it is going to to take us years to get out of. Waltz, a former Green Beret, is giving the military an ultimatum. Drop the mandate or the incoming Congress will make you drop the mandate. Enough is enough. We have told the Pentagon and this administration they can come to a common sense solution on this or we're going to legislate it. They can do it the easy way or we're going to do it the hard way, but the cavalry is coming. Waltz says the Pentagon's on the verge of discharging 20,000 National Guard reservists at a time when we're seeing an unprecedented military buildup in places like communist China. Tomorrow is the 30th anniversary of something that just about every American does dozens, if not hundreds of times every single day. On December 3rd, 1992, British software programmer Neil Papworth sent the world's first text message from a computer. It read, Merry Christmas. The rest is history, they say. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Friday, the Bills back on top, now hiring Rat Czar. And who rules the roost in the PA House? Nobody knows for sure. We'll explain coming up. Good afternoon. We're tracking another windy cold front heading our way for later tonight and tomorrow. 
I'll have the complete forecast coming up in 10. All right, Kevin Williams, guess we got some more sticks to pick up out there. We'll check the stories next. Making news where you live. The Buffalo Bills getting a big road win in prime time last night. The Buffalo Bills defeated the New England Patriots 24-10 last night for their first AFC East victory of the season and third straight win, taking a half-game lead in the division over Miami. WGRZ-TV reports that Josh Allen became the first player in NFL history with three seasons of 25 passing touchdowns and five rushing scores. The Bills will be home on Sunday, December 11th to host the New York Jets. D. Haley, Family Life News. All right, D. thank you. Speaking of the Jets, a New York lawmaker wants to bring them back to Queens. Senator Joe Adabo telling Legal Sports Report that he's floating the idea for a new Jets stadium, perhaps near City Field in Queens. That's where a 25,000-seat stadium will be built for New York's professional soccer team. The Jets moved from the one Shea Stadium to New Jersey nearly four decades ago and currently share MetLife Stadium with the Giants. Jennifer Polsoni reporting business is booming at the State University of New York. Yeah, the largest university system in the country is seeing a historic increase in applications from both in-state and out-of-state students. SUNY's 64 campuses reported more than 110% increase in applications for the 2023 fall semester. New York residents pay on average seven grand a year for tuition at SUNY. It's about twice that for out-of-staters. Residents of Pennsylvania and seven other states are eligible for in-state tuition rates. New York residents who come from households making under $125,000 a year can apply for an Excelsior scholarship that covers all of their tuition. That application for the fall of 2023 opens this spring. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. Thank you kindly, Brandon. A man who's devoted 64 years of his life to law enforcement is finally calling it a career. Broome County Sheriff David Harder is handing in his badge after six decades of service. Well, I hope I left uh, the county in good shape law enforcement-wise. I hope the people respect the fact I worked as hard as I did. They always said, you know, your employees make the boss look good. Well, that's true. The 80-year-old says a lot's changed in the policing profession since he started in 1964. Back then, Harder's starting salary was $63 a week. Deputies back then were given a $100 stipend to buy whatever they thought they needed to survive a career in law enforcement. I bought a Stetson, a shirt, and a pair of trousers. If you wanted to carry a, a gun, you better buy it. If you wanted a gun belt, you better buy it yourself. If you wanted to shoot at somebody, you better buy the ammo. If you want to write a ticket, you better come up with a pen. David Harder's been sheriff for a quarter century now and is Broome County's longest tenured employee. Still a lot of confusion over which party rules the roost in the Pennsylvania House. Democrats say they've secured the majority status based on the midterm results. Republicans say, hold on a minute, because of the death of Democrat Tony DeLuca, it is tied. 101 Republicans and 101 Democrats. DeLuca passed away a month before the election, but he was re-elected posthumously. Now the big fight is who has the authority to fill his seat. Nobody knows for sure in Harrisburg. New York Congressman Joe Sempolinski is making plans for his transition out of office. The Southern Tier Republican represents the 23rd District and come January that district in its current form will be no more. I came in knowing that I was sort of coming to summer camp and so I was hired for a temporary job to do my best 
best job to preserve the constitutional republic that uh, we've been given by our forebearers. And every member of Congress is hired for a temporary job. The New Look 23rd includes more of the Buffalo suburbs and will be represented by Buffalo Republican Nick Langworthy come January. Nine Pennsylvania mayors have joined a nationwide effort to pass permanent immigration protections for or protections for so-called dreamers. These are the children of migrants who come to this country illegally. The mayors of the cities of Allentown, Erie, Scranton, and State College have all joined in that nationwide effort. On the heels of a controversial toll hike request, New York lawmakers want changes to how the Thruway Authority gets those rate increases approved. Yeah, Glenville Republican Jim Tedisco has proposed a measure stipulating that any future thruway toll hikes would have to be approved by the state legislature. Reacting to this week's thruway authority toll hike proposal, Tedisco said, quote, the thruway Grinch is back and the last thing New Yorkers need right now is a lump of coal under their Christmas tree in the form of a toll hike. Tedisco's legislation is in committee for now and in the assembly, Democratic Assemblyman Angela Santa Barbara has introduced a bill calling for a two-year freeze on any throughway toll hikes. Mark Webster, Family Life News. Thank you, Mark. Did you hear New York City looking to hire a rat exterminator? The official title is Director of Rodent Mitigation, and the person in the role will lead New York City's war on rats. The job listing uses fun words to describe candidate traits like bloodthirsty and vehemence for rodents. The starting salary is $120,000. It comes weeks after Mayor Adams signed the rat action plan in an effort to clean up the five boroughs. I'm Natalie Migliori, New York. 14 past the hour. Your midday sports is next right here on the Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob in Foxborough last night. The Buffalo Bills took control of the game after a New England 48-yard touchdown pass put the Patriots up 7-3 in the first quarter. But then Josh Allen and company took over. Allen threw for 223 yards and two touchdowns. The Bills' offense held the ball for almost 40 minutes in the contest. 24-10 the final. By the way, Josh Allen became the first quarterback in history to have three seasons of at least 25 passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. The Bills place Von Miller on the injured reserve list, so he's going to be out of action for the next month, but they do expect him back before the end of the season. On the ice, three goals in just under three minutes did in the Buffalo Sabres. They lost to the Avalanche 6-4. Buffalo was up 2-1 in the second period before Colorado went on their scoring binge to turn that 2-1 deficit into a 4-2 lead. 6-4 the final. Thompson, Tuck, Paterka, and Cousins lit the lamp for the Sabres. In Pittsburgh, the Penguins edged Vegas 4-3. Kasperi Kapanen scored the game winner midway through the third period to snap the Pens' two-game losing streak. In Philly, the Flyers dropped a 4-1 decision to Tampa Bay. Other winners on the ice, Nashville, the Wild, Carolina, Dallas, the Canadiens, Kraken, Panthers, and Kings. Only one NBA game played last night. The Pistons beat the Mavericks in overtime, 131-125. to And the U.S. men's national soccer team will go up against the Netherlands tomorrow afternoon in the knockout round of World Cup play. Christian Pulisic is expected to play. 
That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, a lot of folks going to be watching that still to come on the Noon Report. Windy weather for your weekend. Marriage redefined and what that means for Christians. At the end of the broadcast, the 12 days of Christmas just got a whole lot more expensive. Welcome to Breakpoint, daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. On Thanksgiving Day, the entrance to the Focus on the Family offices was vandalized. Perpetrators, referring to the recent mass shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs, spray-painted these words, quote, blood is on your hands, five lives taken. They also left a sign that quoted 2 Corinthians 11, 14-15, implying that the organization actually does the devil's work. And many other news reports, articles, opinion pieces, and tweets also explicitly connected the shooting to focus on the family as well as other evangelical organizations, churches, and even military bases in Colorado Springs. Group, who claimed responsibility for the vandalism at Focus on the Family, never used the phrase stochastic terrorism, but their reasoning relied upon it. Much of the media coverage, to be clear, did employ this brand new phrase, one that's now increasingly being used to direct blame. In this case, anyone who advocated against same-sex marriage or opposed LGBTQ advocacy in schools and libraries or who suggests that sexual orientation and gender confusion are not permanent and immutable identities are guilty of hate speech and complicit in this act of terror. The Club Q shooter has no known connection with focus on the family. No one at Focus on the Family participated in or ever praised the violence. The man who did the killing appears to have been a member of the extended LGBTQ community and, like many other mass shooters, grew up alienated from his father in a terribly broken family. None of that matters to those who already determined who the guilty parties are. Now, the word stochastic is an adjective. It means randomly determined, having a random probability distribution or pattern that may be analyzed statistically, but not predicted precisely. Stochastic terror suggests that one does not actually have to support violence or in any way be linked to an act of violence in order to be responsible for it. Simply making an unpopular moral claim is enough to, and I quote, create an environment of violence. For example, CNN declared that the attack at Club Q, quote, wasn't surprising. It came at a moment rife with anti-LGBTQ animus. Across dozens of mostly Republican-controlled states, lawmakers have passed or introduced a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills this year. Though claiming to explain why an event happened, employing stochastic terrorism only obscures the real social and cultural issues that we face. It dehumanizes people by removing their moral agency, reimagining both murderers and bystanders alike as unwitting victims of impersonal forces. It casts intellectual opponents as unthinking and amoral automatons. In the end, claiming stochastic terror as an explanation for anything is a purely Gnostic impulse where identity markers are all that matter. Guilt or innocence, right or wrong, truth or falsehood are predetermined by an intersectional hierarchy. Now, to be clear, words are very powerful things. They do shape hearts and minds. They can lead both individuals and entire societies either toward eternal truths or away from them. In a culture like ours, one so captive to a critical theory mood, the only right and loving response to the hijacking of language in this way is to always oppose falsehood and always advance truth. Now, that will mean, among other things in our cultural moment, refusing to accept or to use words and phrases like stochastic terrorism, which assume all kinds of false and dangerous ideas about who we are.
For the Colston Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, go to colstoncenter.org. It's 20 past the hour. Kevin Williams next. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. Clouds and some sunshine. High temps, 40s to near 50. For tonight, cloudy. The wind picks up. In fact, it becomes very windy. Be some showers coming in overnight in western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. Temperatures falling into the 30s in central New York and rising. For tomorrow, windy. Turning colder. Showers, then flurries. Temperatures peak in the 40s and 50s, then tumble into the 30s. Winds in some areas gusting to 50 miles an hour. And then on some, it's colder. Sun clouds, a couple lake I temps 30s and low 40s. All right, Kevin Williams, thank you. It's Friday, December 2nd, and this is the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you the listener direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are, as always, Michael Gere with the Pennsylvania Family Institute and Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Michael, let's start with you. Big doings at the state capitol. This hasn't happened in quite a while. An impeachment trial. There will be one in January for the embattled district attorney of Philadelphia, Larry Krasner. Uh, We're looking at January 18th for the start date on that trial. How historic is this, and what are the charges facing the DA? Well, it is pretty historic. The last time there was an impeachment trial in the Pennsylvania Senate was a Supreme Court justice back in 1994, Rolf Larson. The charges related to uh, Krasner have to do with uh, his role as the district attorney of Philadelphia. Crime has risen so significantly. The House of Representatives voted to impeach him, basically saying that he is not fulfilling the responsibilities of his office to appropriately prosecute crime. The murder rate and crime rate has just skyrocketed in that community. Jason, uh, New York lawmakers will be back at it in January after Governor Hochul's State of the State speech. Uh, They will return to session, and a lot of people want to know, will bail reform reforms be on the docket once they get back to work? What do you think? Well, Governor Kathy Hochul has indicated that there will be no real change to her uh, agenda regarding criminal justice issues. You know, she's coming off this victory in November, and by the time we get to January, I think that may fade in a lot of people's minds, and certainly for the governor, with the progressive base that is pushing her more and more in their direction, it's going to be challenging to see a real reform in the new year. But don't you think with all those races downstate that went Republican and crime, I got to believe, was a big reason why. Don't you think that may force the Democrats in Albany to at least look at bail reforms? Well, two years is a long time to the next election, and while I think there should be reforms that are made, whether or not elected officials feel the heat any longer, I'm not so sure that's going to happen uh, following those election results. All right, we'll get back to the state capitals in a minute, but first, uh, big news out of Washington this week, Michael, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act passed by a vote of 61 to 36. Uh, This will require the federal government to recognize same-sex marriages. The legislation includes language that 
that we're told protects not-for-profit religious groups. They shall not be required to provide services to a marriage that they oppose. That's in the bill. Can we take that at face value, Michael? Uh, I'm not sure that we can. And, you know, part of the problem with the, this uh, so-called uh, Respect for Marriage Act, many called a Disrespect for Marriage Act, is uh, allows for private causes of action for lawsuits and things that can be filed by groups against those who are not endorsing or supporting same-sex marriage. But even when you think about not-for-profit groups, this creates the situation for folks like Jack Phillips, the cake baker in Colorado, or Baron L. Stutzman, the florist in Washington State, who were prosecuted and challenged, continually challenged, uh, because of their refusal as for-profit companies to endorse same-sex marriage against their religious faith. Yeah, and the lame duck, they're going to try to rush this through, and you mentioned it, you know, the Christian, whether you're the Christian butcher or baker or candlestick maker, Jason, uh, you are going to face lawsuits as a result of this. Several amendments, the Lee Amendment among them, that were defeated. James Lankford had another amendment that was shot down. A lot of people who oppose this say, hey, even though it's written in the law that the Christian not-for-profits will be protected, this does not mean that they're immune from a slew of litigation now because of this law. Your thoughts? Well, I think Michael's right in uh, the case he's made here for the concern over this legislation. The fight is coming to every Christian. It's not just going to be about the adoption agencies or other entities such as that. It is coming to the individual Christian. And you have to look no further than just what's happening with Candace Cameron Bure regarding her move for even a new network now dealing with authentic marriage. She's certainly become a part of cancel culture. And I think that shows that these legislative fights and cultural fights are coming to the home of every individual Christian. One more thought, Michael, and then we'll move on. Uh, this just begs the question, last time we talked about this, we talked about why traditional marriage is worth fighting for. Why in the culture today does it seem that, you know, to be pro-traditional marriage automatically assumes that you're anti-gay, that you're homophobic, and the rest? Why can't you say, I support traditional marriage, and here's why? It doesn't mean I'm a bigot. Well, a lot of people have trouble expressing the here's why, and I recommend people uh, look into an author and a ministry leader named Katie Faust, who's written a great book called Them Before Us, that talks about the value of marriage. We who believe in the sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman need to have a fuller picture, both biblically as well as uh, social science and other things, about why marriages between a man and a woman is the best health education and welfare institution ever devised. Yeah, it's all about packaging that message more effectively, making it resonate with people who are on the outside looking in. Jason, uh, let's talk guns uh, for a minute, Judge Sinatra striking a blow just before Thanksgiving, this ruling, a major component of the governor's gun control reforms struck down. Is it only a matter of time, sir, before the entire statute is ruled unconstitutional? Yeah, I think it will be, Bob. And we're seeing a seesaw battle going back and forth uh, with these various cases. And you hear the uh, Judge Sinatra order, which is a good thing, and then another federal court weighs in in another way. Uh, that battle is going to go back and forth. And I think ultimately we're going to have to get to the Supreme Court and get a ruling that I believe will stand with those who support the Second Amendment. All right, let's talk about the uh, the makeup of the Pennsylvania House for a minute, Michael. Still some things in limbo there. Um, we assume that the Democrats will be the majority party next year in the House of Representatives. But the Republicans this week uh, created their own version of the Freedom Caucus. I think they are the eighth state, Pennsylvania now the eighth state, to have have a Freedom Caucus. What is the goal here of this group of lawmakers, and do you support what they're doing? 
I do support what they're doing. As a matter of fact, I went to a reception earlier this week with some of the members of the Freedom Caucus. It's part of a national movement in a number of different states to give them camaraderie and support to work for the issues from a conservative perspective that they ran on, that they uh, won on, and that the constituents back in their district support. So we're supportive of the Freedom Caucus, and we'll certainly work with them uh, when they're working, especially on the issues that we support at Pennsylvania Family Institute. Gotcha. And Jason, one of the major reasons why New York has those controversial gun reform laws is that unspeakable evil that happened back on May 14th at a top store in Buffalo. Talking, of course, about the Peyton Gendron case. He pled guilty to state charges this week. This is a case that's generated a lot of attention. Is systematic racism real or is there something else that we need to look at when we try to wrap our heads around stories like this? Yeah, that's a really challenging issue that I think Christians don't always see eye-to-eye on uh, as regarding the issue of systemic racism. But I can tell you this, uh, there is sin in the heart of every man, and so I certainly believe that there are people who have racist tendencies, who have racism in their heart. We have to recognize that we are all created in the image of God. We all bleed the same color, and I think we should emphasize that when we talk about these issues. Oh, i got about a minute left to Michael. Pennsylvania's 67 counties required to certify their election results this week, all but one did. Luzerne County did not. How come? Well, it's an interesting case. That uh, election there was a mess. We all remember, or those who paid attention to the news on election day, the problem with uh, not having enough paper ballots in Luzerne County. And so uh, voters were disenfranchised that day. We'll see where that goes. Jace, before we go, there seems to be two industries in New York that are thriving. Uh, If you work in the marijuana industry or if you're in the gambling industry, uh, times are pretty good for you. But why is this a bad bet, in your opinion? You know, it seems like the only thing that our state can exceed in as far as industry and we can excel in is the so-called uh, sin taxes or the vices. And you mentioned a couple of them. You see the mention there of marijuana. We see gambling and it is just growing like a weed in this state, uh, pun intended. But we're also now seeing that that fold is moving even further. Uh, now there's talk of legalizing magic mushrooms and other hallucinogenic and psychedelic mushrooms in the new legislative session. We've talked in the past about the push for legalizing prostitution in this state. And you just see the depravity of man going deeper and deeper the further away we walk from absolute truth found in God's word. All right, and that's what you guys are all about all the time, and we love spotlighting your work and the ministries that you represent. If you want to know more about what the Pennsylvania Family Institute is, why do you exist there in Harrisburg? Michael, you have a wonderful website where folks can go and check you out. What is it, sir? PAFamily.org. And what is New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms anyway? What are you guys all about? Jason, what's your website, sir? AlbanyUpdate.com. All right, thank you, gentlemen. Capital Connection comes your way every Friday during the Noon Report or online anytime at FamilyLife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, a little case of deja vu may be observed this weekend. There's another windy cover is on the way for tomorrow. With it will come the attending warmth and wind and wetness, followed by a taste and a touch of winter. For this afternoon, though pretty quiet, Clouds and some sunshine. High temps, 40s to near 50. For tonight, cloudy. The wind picks up. In fact, it becomes very windy across areas on the Lake Erie uh, shore as well as uh, portions of the Finger Lakes. 
Be some showers coming in overnight in western New York and northwest Pennsylvania. For tomorrow, windy, turning colder, showers, then flurries. Temperatures peak in the 40s and 50s, then tumble into the 30s. Winds in some areas gusting to 50 miles an hour. And then on Sunday, it's colder, sun clouds, a couple lake flurries. High temps, 30s and low 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you kindly. And finally at noon, inflation is running up the cost of those items in the 12 days of Christmas. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. The tune is oh so familiar, but the partridge in a pear tree and two turtle doves are going to cost a bit more this year. Pennsylvania-based PNC Financial Services has compiled its 39th annual list of consumer costs for those who would actually buy the things in the uplifting holiday tune, The 12 Days of Christmas. This year, the gifts aren't immune to inflation. A partridge in a pear tree now costs $280. Nine ladies dancing, just over $8,000. And seven swans swimming, just over $13,000. Singing through the entire song, this year's list and all of its verses will cost you $197,071.09. And the item with one of the biggest jumps this year, the 10 Lords of Leaping. Brian Query, Family Life News. Never going to understand how they come up with those costs and probably never will. Uh, thank you anyway, Brian. That's the world we live in. It's Friday, December the 2nd. Have a wonderful weekend. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.